Master King of glory, be exalted. Come and have your way in us. Come and reign, O oh God. We want to see you highly exalted. In Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Indeed, amen. Uh, praise the Lord. Beloved, you can take your seats. You are most welcome. Please just wave at your neighbors and say, welcome in the house of the Lord. As we desire and yearn to come in the presence of the Lord, he is equally looking for someone that will worship him in truth and in spirit. What a joy to, have, to come and have an encounter with the one who sees, the one who knows you, the one who understands. And here he is to speak to us. And of course, those online, I've not forgotten you. Thank you for finding time to join us. I pray that you too, we will all be blessed together. So friends, our topic this afternoon is Jesus, the voice. Hallelujah. Jesus, the voice is our topic. We shall be reflecting on the, the letter of the Hebrews, to the Hebrews chapter 12. But let's first start by looking at this voice. What is this voice? And how do we hear this voice? What is the voice of Jesus? We read in Luke chapter 9, chapter 9, verse 35, that says, And the voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. Praise the Lord. Also, Paul tells us uh, that uh, all scripture is God's breath. The Bible is God's word. The Bible and everything that is written in is God's word. But we know that God himself is in three, the Trinity. I'll not labor to go into the details. But we are aware that um, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one. And if the Bible is God's word, that means when we read the Bible, we hear the voice of the Lord. Amen. In John, we read in chapter 5, verse 19, that whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. So we know that whatever the Son says, whatever God says, it is the same. And I want us to start by, by saying that I want, would like us to be in agreement that the Bible is God's voice. Amen. It's the voice of Jesus. But also we know that Jesus speaks to us through rhema words. God can give you a rhema word, an written word of God. You are walking and you hear the voice tell you. I don't know, when did you last hear the voice of the Lord? We shall see what hinders you from hearing the voice of the Lord as we'll be reflecting on the letter to the Hebrews. Amen. Uh, we, we know very well that the voice or God did not only show up as God the Father and the Holy Spirit at the creation. But John also tells us in John chapter 1 verse 3 that even Jesus himself was there at creation. Hallelujah. Because he is the word. And that word is what was spoken at creation. And when that word was spoken, everything came into being. Hallelujah. Now let's tarry together, friends, in a 
Hebrews. Let's walk through together these two verses of Hebrews chapter 12. If my brother will help and display it. Verses 1 and 2. Let's tarry together through these verses and hear the voice of Jesus together. Can we read it together? Now, faith is being sure. I beg your pardon. We are reading Hebrews chapter 12. Okay. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Okay, thank you together. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Thank you. This is the word of God. Uh, friends, quickly just let me help us uh, understand that this letter of Hebrews, the, the author is not known, but we know who were the recipient. The writer wrote to the Hebrews that the Jewish Christians, the Jewish who had turned to Christianity and had believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, and so the writer was addressing the Jewish Christian community. And a lot of things were happening. This is the time when these people had gone through, they were going through so many several developments. And uh, some of these were, one, they had been established through the proclamation of the gospel by the same Christian evangelists. They had been evangelized. They had had the good news. They had received Jesus Christ. And so they had turned away from the culture, their former culture of Jewish culture, Judaism. And they had turned to Christ. And so they had become Christians. You can read more in your free time because we don't have time. There are many verses I would want us to read, but I'll keep referring them. And unfortunately, we don't seem to be ready to write. But I want to encourage you, please, please be in a habit of writing. Praise the Lord. Because God will speak to you and you, you get out thinking that it has stuck in your mind. When you want to remember what God spoke to you, you can't remember because you didn't write. But for those that have word right, please keep noting these scriptures. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3 to 4. You will realize that the Jews had received the gospel, the good news had been preached to them, and they believed in Jesus Christ. But even as they believed, as they believed this message was confirmed by the miracles that happened in their lives and the, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Number two, this community, the Jewish Christian, had experienced conflict with others. They had been verbally abused. They abused each other. I mean, they had been abused by other people. And uh, their property had been taken away. Some had been taken into prison. So that's also another thing that led the writer to write to the Jews to encourage them. Finally, there was intense persecution. 
There's high persecution. Many people were already starting to leave the faith. And they were becoming so dull about salvation. They were becoming bored about it because of the persecution. Many other people, many Christians were giving up on the faith, going back to their traditional worship. And they were going away from the church and returning to the synagogue where they were following the tradition of the Jewish culture. And I want to believe, given these reasons, this letter is fit for us that even as we read Hebrews, we surely can hear God speaking to us, praise the Lord. Because at the moment where we are, the gospel is preached every day. People are receiving Jesus Christ. We are seeing miracles happening. We are seeing the work of the Holy Spirit working in us. Even without thinking outside, we can tell that in our midst, at a time like this, we all have testimonies. Hallelujah. God has been speaking to us and a lot of things is happening. But also we know, even as we are growing as a church, there is persecution. As an individual, there is an area the enemy is fighting you and you're persecuted left and right. As I speak right now, there are many that are bedridden and possibly you are online and you just cannot raise your voice, but you can only see, you can only hear. That is also a, 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 a persecution. And today who is persecuting us, it is the enemy, the devil himself. The difficulties that we face on a daily basis. Those things that push you to the wall and cause you to think that God is no longer hearing my prayers. They are persecuting you. The enemy is raising conflicts against you so that you give up on the faith. This was exactly what was happening. Unfortunately for the Christians then, some of them were already drifting from the faith. You read in the same book, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. We don't have time to go into the details of reading together right here, but I encourage you to read these verses in your own time. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12. And Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. So those verses are showing us that the persecution and resistance that gave way to the Christians that came to the point of giving up on their faith. And so you and me are not exempted from the same. But I just want to let you know that God is here to, to encourage us not to give up on the faith. Because when we read chapter 12, it comes in the context where he has expressed so much about men, the, the men of God that lived by faith in the Old Testament. And the writer expresses all of them in that chapter of faith, chapter 11 of Hebrews. We don't have time, but I'll still refer you to there. So, so for you to understand fully what the writer is talking about, in verses 1 and verse 2, you need to know what has been happening in chapter 11. He's talking about a lot of what these men of faith went through, where they were persecuted, pushed the wall to the point of giving up. But by faith, they lived on. By faith, they believed in God. By faith, they did not drift from the faith. Praise the Lord. And so the writer comes with the words of encouragement. It comes to encourage the Jewish Christians 
and he uses the imagery of athletes. I know many here love athletics, and um, you, you'll automatically understand what this guy is talking about. So please read with me verse 1 again. Please, verse 1, if it will be displayed. Verse 1, Hebrews chapter 12. Let's remain there. Let's remain in Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 1, I want us to move together. Let's read it together. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, you can first stop there. The, Hebrews is, the, the writer of the Hebrews is painting a picture, and as I read this, I see us Christians in the playground. I want you to figure yourself in the field. And as you are in the field, you, each one of you have your numbers, you're playing, but all of us are in the field. Just as you see today, when the sports is happening, what is happening outside that those who are not playing? Those who are not playing are surrounded at the stairs, seated on the stairs, and they are cheering those who are playing. Now, the beautiful thing in this game, we do not know how, we do not have side A, side B, we do not have different teams. We are all one team shooting in one goal. And what is this team? This is a team of believers, you and me, that are walking the faith the journey. And so as we are in this field, we are running the race. We are running to reach the goal. We are running and some of us feel like giving up. You feel weighed down. And the writer is telling us that the cloud of witnesses who are these cloud of witnesses? The same we have read, you will read in chapter 11. The same who have run the race that you're running today. They have gone through what you're going through. At least each, each one of us can relate with one of those in chapter 11. And they are cheering us. They are around the field. They are running after us. They are calling your name. And they are saying, do not give up. Carry on. You remember Abel in Genesis chapter, chapter 4? When he was killed by his own brother. But what does the Bible say? The Bible says that by faith, he gave the best. And because he gave the best, his brother killed him. And that is credited for faith because he gave the best. And maybe you are there, you are struggling in this journey. You don't want to hear about giving. Yesterday we are learning about giving. And you don't want to hear any pastor talk about giving because you're thinking they're encroaching on your comfort. This is my money. These are my things. And, and you, this guy is saying, man, I died because of faith. I had to give my best. But for you not die because Christ died and paid it all. Praise the Lord. And maybe you are there. Let's, let's quickly maybe pick a few verses just to help us understand what I'm talking about. Hebrews chapter 11. These are men that have walked the journey that we have faced, that we have walked before. And um, look at verse 5. Verse 5 tells us, By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. Maybe you're thinking that this journey is too heavy to walk. 
you're thinking, for how long am I going to be saved? For how long am I going to, to give up the other life? For how long am I going to sacrifice? But Enoch will tell you, man, I walked this journey. I walked until I was no more. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So will you feel encouraged by this cloud of witnesses that are surrounding us? You think you abandoned, you are left alone. You think you are rejected. You think you have been betrayed, denied by your own dear ones. You will hear Joseph telling you, man, don't give up. Keep running. Keep in the race. I was sold by my own brothers, but I did not give up. Praise the Lord. Friends, these are the cloud of witnesses who have run the race, who have gone ahead before us. They know what you're going through. They feel it because they know it. But most importantly, Jesus himself ran the race, as we shall see in verse 2. Please put back verse, verse 1. Let's again continue reading it together again from the start. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, what should we do? Let us throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles. And do what? Praise the Lord. The writer is telling us very clearly, as much as we have this cloud of witnesses surrounding us, encouraging us to carry on, to keep walking, to keep running, not to give up. There are those things that are going to weigh you down. There are those things that will want to drain you. There are those things that will be so heavy on you and you just feel like you cannot make a step ahead. And what are some of these things? There are so many of them, but some of them is bitterness and anger. They are so heavy. They are so heavy on you. you. You just imagine you're angry for someone who, who have betrayed you. You're angry for someone who abused you. You're angry for someone who cheated you. I mean, you're carrying so many people and you're, you're carrying them on your head. I love the, this, this um, illustration. Once um, one bishop was sharing with us and gave us an illustration carried about seven seven chairs, the plastic chairs, and he carried them literally. I will not carry them here because we don't have time. And, and you just put up those chairs on your head. And one of the chairs is bitterness. The other chair is anger. The other chair is unforgiveness. The other chair is hatred. The other chair you are carrying your brother who sold your land and cheated you. You're carrying all these things around you. And now you are heavily carrying them on your head. Now imagine you want to lift up your, your hands. And you want to say, lift up holy hands, O oh Lord, to worship you. How far will they go? As you're lifting your hands to worship the Lord, they are heavily concerned about the loads you're carrying on your head. And so the writer is telling us, let us lay aside every weight. This is what my version says. Whatever is weighing us, throw it alone, uh, 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 throw it aside. The sin, the sin which clings so closely, let us, let us just throw off the sin. Friends, I want to guarantee you, all believers, we are faced with temptations. But the beautiful thing is, 
Temptation is not sin. So when you've been tempted, don't think that you have sinned. Jesus himself was tempted but did not sin. The challenge comes when you give in to temptation. And I want to guarantee you, there is no way a Christian will be able to walk a journey smoothly when you're living in sin. Never. I don't know what you're struggling with. I mean, sometimes people say, why do you keep talking about immorality? Because it's something that we are seeing every day. Someone is, is, is abandoned his wife and he's sleeping with another woman and you know every Sunday he's in church, holy, coming to the holy table. I mean, we see these things every day. People who are even stealing left and right, they're coming to give. And they're tithing. Tithing from what? And let me tell us, friends, this sin cannot allow you to run the race but the writer is telling us to throw it away. Get rid of it so that you'll be lighter. So that you'll be able to walk. And some of these, these things that hinder us from the, running the race. You can read from 1 Corinthians chapter 9 in your free time. We don't have time now. You read from chapter 9 verse 24 to verse 27. You can as well read 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 3 to 5. Maybe we can read it together. That second, um, second Timothy. Even as they are displaying for us second Timothy chapter two. Friends, I want to let us know that this race, this race that we are engaged in is not a swift one. It is not for the faint hearted. It's not for the lighter men and women. It is for men resolved to walk with the Lord Jesus Christ for the rest of your life. And you say, yes, I love this tasker so much. I love this bell lager. But I'm not going to test it because I want to remain sober. Praise the Lord. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 to 5. 3 to 5. Let's read it together. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlists him as a soldier. Verse 5. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Just as we are talking about games, sports, there are rules to guide the players. You make an error, you receive a red card. Now we also have rules to guide us as soldiers of Jesus Christ. And the rules is, do not commit adultery. I mean, for example, and all these things that we know. And the beautiful thing is we have the Holy Spirit. You see what I love about Christianity? It's not a set of rules. Not at all. When you come to the faith, you, the day you receive Jesus Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit who convicts us of sin. Even when you're going to commit sin, you know for sure this is sin. Because the Holy Spirit is right there to tell you, man, what you're doing is wrong. So you go ahead and do it knowing that it is wrong because you are not your own. The Holy Spirit is right on the inside of you and his work is just to help you be able to live a righteous life. And let's look at um, the last part, yes, of that, that verse 1. Christ has already marked out the course. And 
just like the, the Jewish believers, needed not to yield the temptation. But they had to put their trust in God and be able to obey the instructions. Praise the Lord. Likewise for us believers today, my brother and my sister, we have got this manual with us to guide us. When did you last read the word of God? When did you last read your Bible? I, was, I remember this, this story. I think it was in one of the social medias, those clips. The man who, who visited, um, the pastor who visited a family and they served him a very nice meal as they served. There was this check next and he feared for it not to get spoiled by soup and he put it in the middle of their Bible. So after the meal and everything, he left. They looked for the check. They couldn't find it. They concluded the pastor has stolen it. You must have read this story. At the end of the day, they accused him. They left the church. They abandoned praying. And many months later, he comes and says, guys, what happened? You no longer come to church. They said, we can no longer pray with a pastor who is a thief. You stole our check. We have they actually designed it for you. It was for you, but you stole it. He said, no, I didn't steal it. Did you check in your Bible? I put it right in. Are you the like of a person who keeps the Bibles on the table to impress people? Or you carry your Bible in the car just to impress. Some people go to an extent of saying, you are having bad dreams, put the Bible under the pillow. <laughs> now, that is witchcraft. Unless you read the word and you know what it is saying, you will not be able to live according to the will of God. Anyway, we don't have time. Verse 2. Give us verse to my brother. Verse 2, Hebrews chapter 12. Let's read it together. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Friends, why running this race? Why running? The contestants should keep their eyes us who are contestants, us who are players, we should fix our eyes on Jesus Christ who is the pioneer runner. He went ahead of us. He is our coach. He is our trainer. And he is the chief organizer. He is there to organize us. He is there to speak to us. He's, he's always available. You will hear his still voice telling you, do not give up. Be still and know that I am Lord. Do not worry. I'll never leave you alone. I'll never forsake you. Please carry on. Continue running the race. We are not left alone, my, my friends, in this race. We are not. Verse, verse, still the continuing verse, chapter 2, chapter 2. I wish you left it there. Chapter 2, um, let's proceed and see what is there. <clears throat> chapter, chapter 12, verse 2, verse 2. I want us to remain in verse 2. Again, let's read it afresh. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Praise the Lord. Friends, we know. We know that Jesus was persecuted. You know he was despised. We know he was rejected. We know he endured the pain of the cross. 
You think it was a simple thing, carrying the cross throughout the night, falling down, standing up, the Lord himself carrying that cross. It wasn't easy. That rugged cross was not easy. He experienced sorrow. If you think that no one understands what you're going through, you have lost someone. You are in pain. You are not sure whether anyone cares, but Jesus cares because he went through it. He suffered. He was persecuted. But he anticipated the glorious joy that was awaiting him to do what? To be able to sit down at the right hand of the throne of God, where he is seated even right now. Friends, as you are running this race with so many challenges, as you're running this race with pain, with sorrow, with suffering, with difficulties, will you remember to fix your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ? When you fix your eyes on the Lord, no matter what you go through, everything that seemed to be a mountain fades away. The psalmist wrote and said, I lift up my eyes to the hills where does my help come from? My help comes from the maker of those hills. So what is it, my brother? What is it, my sister? Will you fix your eyes to the Lord and turn your eyes to Jesus and be singing, turn your eyes upon the Lord? Because believe me, when you turn your eyes upon Jesus Christ, all things will fade away. They will see you smiling. They will see you joyful. They will see you happy. And everyone will wonder, what makes you happy when you're going through trials? The secret is, Christ is your joy. Christ is your peace. I remember Peter. Because there is, there, there is a, a challenge where you want to remove your eyes from the Lord and you want to see what is happening. Oh my goodness, they have the... I'm diagnosed with cancer. Oh my goodness, this is happening. Oh my goodness. And as you get worried over those things, they grow bigger and bigger and bigger. And they make, they make Christ look so small. They make God seem to be so nothing in your eyes because you're exalting the challenges. This happened with Peter. You know that story. What happened when he walked on the water, when he saw Jesus? Others thought he was a demon. But Jesus said, no, I'm the one. I am. Please. Peter says, can I come? Jesus was able to walk a step on water. Why? Because his eyes were fixed on Jesus Christ. He did not look at the water. He did not look at the waves. As he stepped the second time, doubt came. And he wondered, am I surely walking on the water? Let me see. And what is happening? He looks on the water. What happens? He begins to sink. Many believers are like that. Many believers have turned away their eyes from the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you turn away your eyes from the Lord, even the minor challenge looks like a mountain. But I want to encourage us this afternoon. Will you hear the voice of the Lord Jesus tell you, turn your eyes upon Jesus. All the things that you seem to see will fade away. Please turn up your eyes upon. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light. Oh, yeah.
loss of a dear one? Is it the pain that you have carried all through? Is it the challenges of this difficult world through the death into life everlasting? Jesus passed and because he went through it, we will follow him. The psalmist says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear any evil because he is with me. His word shall not fail you. He has surely promised. Just believe in him. Put your trust in him. And all will be well, my brother and my sister. All will be well. Then go to a world that is dying out there. Go to the world with his perfect grace and peace. And be the light in the dark world. That you will share your experience with his goodness. You'll, experience, you, you, you'll be able to tell others of his goodness and mercy. And many will be able to see the light that he offers. And you'll be able to be the light in the dark world. And all will be able to hear the voice of Jesus. The voice of Jesus telling to the people, Come to me, oh you who are weary and heavy laden. You who are hungry and thirsty, come, you'll find satisfaction in me. Yes, Lord, it is our prayer this this afternoon, that as we draw closer to you and hear your voice on a daily basis, 
we shall be able to experience your presence, your goodness, your mercy. And we shall have that experience live around us. And we shall be able to go in the dying world, being the light and salt in the world, that all will come to you. Receive all the praise, honor and the glory. In Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving.